morning. It is Tuesday, June 30th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org, on our Facebook page, and now on Spotify. Today on Community Pulse, our host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, is joined by Dr. Eric Martin, an emergency room and urgent care physician living in Joplin. He'll discuss his experience treating COVID patients and recently testifying in support of a mask ordinance in front of the Joplin City Council. The mask ordinance failed to pass by a vote of five to four. As you know, our host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, is a local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN. We are joined by both Dr. Alleman and Dr. Martin on our phone line this morning. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you, Dr. Martin, for uh, agreeing to, to join me, uh, join us. Um, and welcome to listeners. Um, and I uh, am so excited about having uh, Dr. Uh, Martin with us uh, because um, You've not only taken care of patients in New York City where you traveled to help with the surge there, but you've also now begun to be treating um, people who are experiencing COVID-19 disease in your own community. And I'm looking forward to um, getting to that in just a minute. I want to go over the numbers. Um, oh, I just closed the wrong tab. Um, worldwide, uh, we're now at 10 million cases um, with uh, 500,000 deaths and um, five and a half million people who are recovering from uh, COVID-19. In the United States, we're now at 2,683,000 documented cases with 129,000 deaths and uh, 1.1 million people recovering. Um, from uh, Matthew Holloway's data, um, you know, last yesterday we got to we got an idea that maybe we're, you know, a twentieth of what we think we're seeing. Um, but what what he, what we're documenting is about twenty one thousand nine hundred forty six cases in Missouri, uh, with a thousand thirty two deaths, and our um, increase of cases in the last twenty four hours has been over five hundred for the first time. Ever and our seven-day average increase is 433, which is again its highest ever. And the southwest part of the state is still in experiencing a pretty vertical curve of increases. So an increase of 148 cases just in the three-county area surrounding Joplin, which is why I was really interested in having Dr. Uh, Martin. Boone County is. Um, 354 cases with about 91 active cases. Um, so <laughs> jump right in. Dr. Martin, again, thank you for joining us. And I'm wondering if you could um, first start out with a little bit of what you saw in New York City. Um, were you actually treating COVID patients there? And what did you learn that's informing your practice today? Sure. Thanks for having me, uh, Elizabeth. Um, I was able to go to New York City for a month. Um, I went there um, in the beginning of April and stayed for a month. I, I practiced in, primarily in an emergency department at Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn, one of the 12 New York City public hospitals. It was, um, it was ground zero of their, uh, of their surge. Um, we saw hundreds of COVID patients. Um, 
I was part of a, a kind of a relief effort that was organized, um, ultimately uh, uh, federally sponsored, that brought a lot of healthcare people to New York City. Um, and so I saw firsthand um, the uh, extent of the pandemic and the surge there. Um, and I, I, I saw many, many um, COVID patients there. Now, by the end of, the, of my time there and I got home um, about mid-May, um, things were improving in New York City. Um, the, the surge was, was slowing down. The number of cases we were seeing in the ER had, had uh, decreased. Um, and so uh, I returned home. Um, I, I never imagined within such a short period of time that, that my own hometown uh, would essentially become a hotspot uh, as it has. Um, I, I, I thought that certainly there would be um, more cases of COVID, but I, I just I didn't think it would happen so quickly. And can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in southern Missouri? I mean, I am surprised, too. I would have thought if you'd asked me to put my finger on the next hotspot, I think that Joplin, Missouri would have been, you know, way down hundreds of, of options later. I mean, lower than many others. But yes, can you just talk uh, about what it is that you are seeing there? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with that, um, although I, I noticed even when I, while I was in New York that a phenomenon in the Midwest of the areas affected by meat processing plants um, that happened in St. Joseph, Missouri, happened in western Kansas, the panhandle of Texas and Oklahoma. And uh, being from southwestern Missouri, we have numerous uh, meat processing plants. So I was always a little concerned that that could happen. And that indeed is, is what has happened. Um, in, in Joplin, I work in an urgent care setting. Um, I work in several smaller uh, emergency departments um, in the region, uh, both in Missouri and some in rural Kansas and Oklahoma. So I, I, I kind of have a sense of what's going on regionally along with what's right. going on in Joplin. Um, so I actually saw some of the first uh, cases in Joplin at urgent care from uh, one of our local uh, meat processing plants. And um, early in the month of June, um, that's primarily what we were seeing. We were seeing um, poultry plant workers and their direct contacts and their, their families um, coming to care. It's, it's much more widespread than that now. Um, it's, a, it's a large, it's a broad section of the community who are, who are getting COVID uh, now. And what percentage of the people that you're seeing coming into your urgent care or one, a smaller emergency room are you suspecting uh, COVID-19 disease in? Well, um, so in the urgent care setting, uh, people are tend to be less sick. Um, uh, in 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 Joplin, um, a lot of them have have symptoms. Um, uh, they they may they might be mild symptoms, but I, I'm really not seeing very many people who are truly asymptomatic. We see a few of those, mm -hmm. but um, it's mostly people that come in with some. Uh, some symptom that would suggest COVID. Many of them have a, a contact with someone. So they're coming in with cough, fever, body aches. Uh, some of them have diarrhea. Um, it, it can be very mild uh, in some cases. Um, and so uh, depending on, on um, we're, we're testing 
pretty pretty liberally with our testing now. Um, mm-hmm. Early on, when when tests were harder to come by, it was a little bit more restrictive who got testing. That was the case in New York as well. That we really only tested in the hospital setting. We only tested patients who got admitted. Um, so we're right. testing more people now, and um, it's uh, it's fairly busy with testing. Uh, people coming in every day wanting to be tested. Um, now, when I work in the emergency departments. Um, I see some of the same cases, people that, that are that are less sick, but I'm I'm also seeing people that that need to be that need to be hospitalized too. And uh, but the rest of the healthcare of the community doesn't stop, so you're still seeing people with sprained ankles and broken bones and need for laceration repair and you know other illnesses. People still getting bladder infections and various things. Correct. So, um, um, yeah. Yes. That's right. Um, so when I went to New York, uh, that was during the time when most of the country was in some form of stay-at-home, shelter-in-place type situation. Right. So we were actually very slow um, in ER, urgent care, and it was not just locally. It was all over the place. Uh, right. and, uh, other than those few areas of the country that kind of had a, had an early surge, mostly urban areas, um, although there were a few uh, rural areas, even at that point, that had a, a meat processing plant outbreak, so it was it wasn't very hard for me to to find uh, others to cover my shifts at home, and I got to go to New York City for a month. Uh, the the difference now is that um, yes, we have reopened, and so people are um, accessing healthcare at, at a more normal normal rate for just uh, normal things that they come to the doctor for. Um, so COVID patients, even when they're not very sick, are, are, are complicated and there's a lot of education, even someone who's, who doesn't need to be hospitalized. Uh, I spend time with them, talk to them about their symptoms, talk to them about isolation and they frequently have questions, you know, when will I be able to go back to work? Uh, do I need to get tested again? So, um, it requires quite a bit of, um, and and I feel that's my my duty. I want to to t- talk to people about that. They have concerns. It's a new it's a new virus. It's something we're not used to. So um, we're busier just in general with with seeing uh, just regular uh, cases, but we're also seeing COVID as well. And it it, it can uh, quickly um, feel like you're trying to to do too much. And so are you, I know that around the, the state, um, hospitals um, decreased their staffing levels. Some people were laid off or furloughed or reduced hours. Are you seeing that shifting in your area? People are back to, like, people are back, you're back to being full staffed, and now are you needing to extra staff, or how, how is that working? Yes, that's, uh, that's still very piecemeal. It depends on the hospital. Some hospitals uh, furloughed more than others. Um, uh, Even as as far as physician staffing, um, you know, a couple of places that I work uh, had to reduce. We we reduced physician staffing to some extent. Uh, We we might normally have been two doctors all day, but instead uh, when when, uh, volumes went down, the hospital was losing money. Um, that was reduced to having only one doctor uh, for uh, most of the day and then perhaps having an overlap for a few hours. So mm-hmm. while we were slow, uh, that wasn't very difficult. We could handle that. But um, as we've started to get busier again, and we're also seeing COVID patients, 
um, that, that quickly became difficult to do with just one doctor. So we have uh, kind of gone back to normal staffing levels. I, I'm uh, Because I'm affiliated with a few different hospital systems and I, I talk to different um, providers, um, I know that in some emergency departments they, they reduced uh, physician staffing and they haven't all um, brought that back up to where it was 100% before. Um, so I, I do see that as kind of a problem that, that, um, that could be something ongoing that we will have to, uh, that we'll have to deal with. And just one more question about that, because I'm so curious about so many things. Um, thank you so much mm -hmm. for being here. Um, is, do you see us, um, do you see, uh, likelihood that we're going to need, um, help from other areas the way folks in New York City did? Do you we're going to need to like really increase staffing, um, or is it hard to know? You just got to take it one day at a time. Well, I think right now we we have enough staffing. Um, if you if you look, uh, I've been so focused on on I've been so focused on home for the last several weeks and really all month that I, I was aware that cases were increasing elsewhere, but I I guess I wasn't quite aware. Missouri's not even the worst place anymore. Um, Texas is even worse right. than Missouri. Um, Texas is now, Texas is actually now having to get help with more nurses to go to uh, several uh, bigger cities like Houston, uh, Corpus Christi in South Texas. Um, they have, they've had such an increase in caseloads, uh, particularly in their ICUs. And once ICUs get full, um, patients are often boarded uh, in, in the ER until they can find an ICU bed. This happened in New York, and this is, I mean, this happens to some extent everywhere, even, even in a non-COVID situation, particularly in the winter. Right. Um, I have also heard of a number of staff in Texas uh, who've gotten sick, who've gotten COVID themselves. Um, what I'm seeing in Missouri and, and what's kind of been observed throughout the country right now is that the demographic that's getting COVID the most right now tends to be younger working age people, uh, you know, your age 30s to, to 50s, um, mm -hmm. younger adults, um, that, that age group tends to uh, not be hospitalized as much, although I will say that um, in southwest Missouri, we have a fair number of patients in that age group who have been hospitalized, um, so they don't, they don't all um, not get sick. Some of them do get sick. Um, so locally, my sense is that we're, we're doing okay. We have, uh, we have enough beds. We have enough staff. We have enough doctors. Um, uh, but I, I am concerned that as, as there are surges that develop across a broad area of the country, particularly in places like Florida and Texas, which are just, um, they're big, they're geographically large areas that are affected. And if everyone across the country is busy again, we don't have a, a ready pool of, uh, of uh, reservists so to speak, who might be able to, to deploy to help in another area. Like myself, I would, I would have a hard time getting off right now to go help somewhere else. So I think in Missouri right now we're okay, but, um, but we, have to, we have to try to be prepared. Yeah. So I want to pivot to masks because I know that you 
presented, I thought, a very compelling testimony to the Joplin City Council, who narrowly mm-hmm. defeated a mask ordinance. And here in Columbia, uh, we are on the cusp of considering a mask ordinance ourselves. And there's a, um, a right now a dance going on between the, our leaders trying to decide who's going to take the hot potato. Nobody seems to want it. <clears throat> but I'm wondering um, what you want, what what you would want uh, your community members, what I would want my community members to know from your perspective about mask wearing and how you, what conclusion you've come to and how, what that's based on. I think we simply have to wear masks. Uh, there's there's no way we can return to some form of normal life without them. Uh, the virus just spreads too easily. It's 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 kind of out of getting out of control again right now in terms of the rate of increase of new cases. Um, if the ICUs are already full in places like Texas, and they are, um, and and we are admitting more patients locally here to our COVID units, uh, they are expanding them. My sense is we still have capacity in Missouri um, to to admit more patients, but um, if if too many people get sick at one time, it will exceed the capacity of the healthcare system to take care of them. And so, mask wearing is a means of preventing further spread of COVID. Um, where I've probably seen the most people get COVID uh, locally is in their place is in their workplaces. Um, it started with the meat processing plants, but it's not just there. Uh, I've seen a fair number of patients um, locally. Um, it, it tends to be more of a, of a plant uh, factory type setting where mm-hmm. a, a large number of people are grouped together um, on, on like an assembly line type setting. But it's not just in that setting. Um, <clears throat> I've seen I've seen a few people who got it at church, for example, um, and I know some uh, I know some churches have have uh, talked about uh, using masks in in their services. Um, I think anywhere where we have a group of people that are crowded together, particularly indoors for a long period of time, which most of us are when we work. Um, that's really where we need to be wearing masks. So yes, I'm a strong proponent of wearing masks, and I think it will it will help uh, prevent the spread. Okay, just a couple of quick questions, and I just I think that you'll give me a clear answer. Do you have any doubt that that masks have some effectiveness in preventing the spread of COVID-19 disease? I have no doubt they help. Uh, I mean, I have not caught COVID, and I've been around hundreds of people, and I wore a mask. I wore PPE at New York, and I am now. So um, I actually feel like my risk of catching COVID is less standing in front of a patient who has it because I'm wearing full PPE than my risk mm-hmm. is in my own home uh, because my my kids uh, – you know, right. uh, they're they're starting to do some activities again, and we're starting to see some kids get it. And uh, I mean, I'm probably more likely to catch it from my own family who might catch it somewhere else uh, oh. than I am at work. Um, and so, are you at all yes. concerned about this? Are you at all concerned about the safety of wearing masks? There's a lot of discussion on social media and being presented at city council meetings around the country that. Um, Masks create um, dangerous levels of uh, low levels of oxygen and high levels of carbon dioxide, and that you're rebreathing yeah, your own I, that, viral particles. I just want to hear so what you think about that. Those, those are all misinformed uh, 
guidelines. If you think about it, if wearing a mask all day made your oxygen level low and made your CO2 level high, then people in surgery would not be able to do surgery all day, but yet they do. And they've done it for years wearing masks all day. And there are uh, industrial occupations where people wear masks all day um, and, and that doesn't happen to them. So if it doesn't happen to them, uh, why would we think it happens to everyone else? Um, I myself have put a little pulse oximeter on my finger and walked around my house and kind of got a little uh, sweaty, and my O2 saturation stayed at 99%, even with an N95 on. So I think those are all just just uh, false uh, information. People should be secure that wearing a mask is not going to um, hurt them. Uh, your oxygen level will be normal. Your CO2 level will be normal. That doesn't mean they're all comfortable. I don't like wearing a mask all day, but um, right. to to uh, kind of criticize that it might make you not safe, that's just, that's just wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering whether uh, we, are, we are at the end of our time, and I'm wondering if there's anything that I haven't asked you that you think that we ought to know, and I do want to let our listeners know that uh, uh, Dr. Martin and I are going to have a longer conversation that will be aired on uh, Your Health Matters uh, tomorrow evening. So if you are interested in what Dr. Martin has had to say and would like to hear more of it, that's tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Is there anything you wanted to say as final um, wrap-up uh, comments? Well, I think people should also not be too terrified of it. Um, I really think people can do many of the things that we normally do uh, in public if we wear a mask. Um, we've got to go back to work. We can't shut the economy down again. Um, there's a lot of complicated issues that we have to sort through about what to do about schools, um, what to do about public gatherings, uh, there's the mask ordinances that are being considered. These are all very serious issues that we have to work through. Um, I think where this is going to be with us for some period of time, perhaps years before we, mm -hmm. we, we get over this pandemic, um, I think uh, local governments need to not think about this in the short term, but really need to think of long-term solutions. So um, I would just encourage people to, to um, try to do the guidelines, the social distancing, the wear a mask if you have to be amongst other people at work. If you do that, I think you'll be reasonably safe and you can do many things that you would normally do. Dr. Eric Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Martin is an emergency medicine specialist who works in uh, urgent cares and emergency rooms in the Joplin area and surrounding states and has also traveled to New York City and has uh, a lot of experience in the primary care, uh, care of uh, COVID patients. So thank you so much, Dr. Martin, for joining us. And thank you to uh, Mallory for being our engineer this morning. And um, thanks to you for tuning in. Great. Thank you both for a great discussion. Hey, thanks. Bye. My pleasure. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Eric Martin, for joining us today. Dr. Martin is an emergency room and urgent care physician treating COVID patients in Joplin. He recently testified in support of a mask ordinance in front of the Joplin City Council, which failed to pass by a vote of five to four. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. and later in the day at kopn.org 
on our Facebook page and also on Spotify. As always, we want to know what questions, comments, and insights you have related to coronavirus. Leave a message for us at 573-874-1139, email gm at kopn.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Up next, we have a brief music break followed by an abridged version of Background Briefing. Thank you so much for listening to KOPN 89.5, your volunteer-run, listener-supported, open-access community radio station. Have a great day.